Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And, and it's time to party! Yeah. We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. This episode was recorded on February 27th, 2021. Pew! Pew pew! I'm doing silent ones because we're in space. Right. <laughs> finger guns silent no, finger no. guns. <laughs> and joining us again for our second episode about Star Trek Generations is our very good friend, Stella Cheeks. Yay. Welcome, Stella. Hello, everybody. Hello. Just we found an adult. Talk about Star Trek, my favorite thing. <laughs> we found an adult who's going to act like a child in her glee about Star Trek. <laughs> All right. In case you didn't listen to the first episode, we are talking about the Star Trek movie Generations. Number seven, I guess. I don't know. Number seven. Uh-huh, yeah, you're sure. right. <laughs> yep. Number seven. It came up at the beginning and I was like, seven. The TOS TNG crossover. Yes, exactly. It's seven. <laughs> Time travel, uh, it brings us all together. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you don't know what movie we're talking about, IMDb tells us, uh, with the help of long-presumed dead Captain Kirk, Captain Picard must stop a deranged scientist willing to murder on a planetary scale in order to enter a space matrix. So... Space blanket. Space blanket. Space blanket. Space drugs. <laughs> Guy didn't call it a blanket, oh. and I was like, yeah. yeah, I love blankets. Yeah, she talked about how it was, like, pure, <laughs> unadulterated joy, and I was like, so drugs, they're on, like, really pure drugs is what this sounds like. Space drugs! <laughs> Ooh, space drugs! Is there, like, an actual, like, Star Trek Generations blanket that's for sale somewhere? Like, I'm Oh sure my god, there must be. There has they to be. They put that logo on every dang thing. Yeah, <laughs> smart. That's how you make money. It was an okay movie poster. It's not my favorite Star Trek movie poster, but it's okay. Because it's like Kirk's face and and Picard's face, like in mist in space. It's fine. It's no super gay rainbow <laughs> for the Star Trek the motion picture. It's hard to top that one, really. I mean, how can you, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you are just jumping in, uh, we're going to talk about how we felt about this movie. We're gonna get into it, and I'm sure Stella is full of fun facts along the way. <laughs> Because Aaron and I aren't as huge Star Trek fans as, well, Stella and Ansel, really. Impossible, truly. Uh, <laughs> this is the first... There's going to be way more host and post cut-ins oh. for this one, let me tell you. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, not to flex, but I know more about Star Trek than Gene Roddenberry the other day. Because <laughs> Gene Roddenberry, like died he in died. like the 90s or whatever and there's a ton more star trek after that and i thought that was so funny like not to flex but i do know more about star trek than gene roddenberry so and you know just just to put this out there like stella is one of the big reasons why i decided to start watching star trek like our friend group is so into like a lot of things but like they're very passionate about star trek so like too many when picard things, was announced <laughs> so many things yeah when Picard was announced, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I like Patrick Stewart. Oh, right. There's a whole other series before this. So I asked Stella, our friend Dave, and my writing partner, Kevin, about what episodes to watch in preparation for Picard. And I like it. I, I like Star Trek now. He's very good. <laughs> I like that Ben loops me in on that. Like, he asked me and I was like, I mean, I could come up with a list, but you're probably better off asking, like, other people for TNG. Though, if you want a TOS list, I'm here for you. <laughs> you a good number of episodes that weren't on my original list, so. Oh, that's good. I don't remember doing that. 
classic Stella. <laughs> I blacked out and said all this information about Star Trek. Who could know what was said? <laughs> At the end of this podcast, she's just going to be like, oh, um, we talked about Star Trek? I blacked out for a second. <laughs> I blacked out for four yeah, hours. Like ADHD is a hell of a memory drug. <laughs> it's just like, I forgot everything that I did. Uh, <laughs> So let's start with the time travel elements of Generations. So it's it's not traditional time travel in the way that we think of it. It's more of like a, a pocket dimension, right? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, I feel like a lot of your listeners are going to be like, there are so many other time travel movies you could have done. Why did oh, you do this one? <laughs> uh, Warwick said the same thing. He's just like, why did you do Generations? Because <laughs> the other ones there. were taken. Yeah, because the other ones were taken now. Everyone knows the answer to that. Well, you could have done First Contact. That's time travel. Yeah, I know. But I had seen, first, again, I've seen First Contact with the hazy memory of this is very awkward and I'd rather watch something else. So I was excited <laughs> to watch this. This is the first, other than First Contact, which I barely remember at all, other than that Picard is in it. This is the first thing I've ever seen of TNG, which I think is part of why I I told Stella when we were recording Not Your Demo that I loved this movie. I thought it was great because I know nothing about any of these characters except for Jimmy Doohan and... Chekhov and Kirk and so I'm like these three easy to understand their motivations very clear and everyone else I'm like sure they're all like this all the time so it was a an interesting experience I feel like everybody in TNG acts pretty in character in this movie other than the fact that Data is wrestling with a emotion right. chip but I think everybody's pretty in character. yeah aside from the emotion chip specifically Data having some bullshit about being an android being a huge distraction during the mission is like very on point yeah his full fun Fucking Pinocchio syndrome, like distracting from Business everything. Yeah, that's pretty up. Yeah, that's that's data all the all the time. Huh. All data all the time. Oh, I don't know why I wrote this down in my notes, but uh, I wrote down Chekhov looks like he could play a Hobbit. Yeah, Walter Koenig is one of those people that like looked really really young and then grew up and still had like a weird baby face, but a baby face that is also aging. So. Yes. I mean, this yes, wasn't meant as an insult. That's like, just Walter in life. <laughs> like, I didn't mean that in an insulting way. I just thought that he should have been in the Lord of the Rings movies. I can see that. Mm -hmm. he, I, I see what you mean by that. I, I, I don't disagree with that statement. So in regards of this being like the pocket dimension thing, I think that yes. counts as time travel because Kirk enters the Nexus and then when he exits it, he is the same age. And so he right. has right. like... You know, time time has no meaning in the in the Nexus, and then you actually yes. do get a sliver of actual time travel when they jump out of the Nexus. They go back in time, which mm. I love the idea that the Nexus is like, yeah, you can leave whenever you want, but you just yeah. don't ever want to leave. Well, uh, Guinan, right? That's her mm -hmm. name. Whoopi. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. She says she basically tells him that, like you, well, you'll you can go there, but you'll never want to leave. But then when she's in it as this like uh, memory echo of herself from before, yeah. she tells him that like Space you can ghosts. go anywhere you want to go, and that includes out of the Nexus. It, like that's she does very much feel like again having never seen TNG. For me, it was like ah, she's here to explain the exposition. Cool, got it. And so when she explained that to him, that's I was like, okay, so they're gonna it. jump out. Cool. <laughs> Guinan explains the exposition, brings the drama, and hands you a drink to wash it all down. Mm -hmm. Like that is. Is Guinan. she a bartender? Yeah. Is what's her her, so runs, her role on the ship? Is that she's a bartender? Kinda. Yes. Yeah. She the, on on the Enterprise. Um. There's, uh, 
a bar called 10 Forward, and that is, and Guinan runs that. But she also functions kind of as a ship's counselor for a lot of people, which is awkward mm. because there is a ship's counselor. But yeah. she's like, you know, she's like the, the wise woman yeah. that you go to where you're like, please describe these things that we don't know. And Troy's the one that's like, you're feeling angry. Why? Let, let's all be <laughs> honest here. Troy may be a licensed counselor, but she is also Picard's favorite sensor array. So Guinan is there to actually do counseling. <laughs> and Guinan's also there to be like, oh, the Q, they're like a big deal. The Borg, they're a big deal. Let me tell mm-hmm. you about the big deals. The Nexus is a big deal. Like she is mm-hmm. exposition okay. in mm-hmm. a cool hat. Always Lots with a of cool, cool hats. Just so many good she hats. Has a great hat. Also her quarters so fuck. Yes. <laughs> so it's like these quarters fuck and we're made for fucking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when they showed her quarters, I was like, I, I literally made a note, asked Stella what her role is on the ship. Cause I was like, okay, I think she's a bartender, but this room is, does not say bartender to me at all. <laughs> so well, I loved it. Food on in Star Trek is really interesting. And uh, the, I'm going to try and make this a real short diversion, but because this is a post-scarcity world, right? So the whole, everybody's room has a food machine in it that like just makes whatever the hell you want. But it's not real food, right? It's replicator food. So you got a burrito, but it's like always slightly off, I guess. Whereas if you go to 10 Forward, that's like real food that was made out of food. And the drinks are real drinks that are made out of drinks. And so that's why they like get shipments of stuff in that is novel, as opposed to you pushed a button in your quarters and got whatever you wanted. So that's why she's special. She's the place you go for the good stuff. For the good, for the good stuff. stuff. And the place that you would bring, like, ambassadors and shit on, mm-hmm. too. And, yeah. like, you know, like, look at our cool ship. The the Kirk's Enterprise has had a bowling alley. This Enterprise has 10 <laughs> They had a bowling alley? <laughs> yes. They did have a bowling Canonically, alley. there's a fucking bowling alley on the TOS Enterprise. No children, but a bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Riley. The TOS Enterprise was all about fitness. They had a lot of fitness uh, facilities. Yeah, the TOS Enterprise was horny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Of course, they, there's all they cared about was fitness. Well, also, like, <laughs> sort of spoiler for what I'll be talking about in edutainment, like, there's a, a reason probably that they focus more on fitness in the, like, first generations of the ship because it has to deal with the way that astronauts go through re-entry and so like it's really specific about including that kind of stuff so i'll, I'll get more into that into the next mm-hmm. episode but that like makes sense it, too it does happen a lot in tng but tng has the holodeck so you can you you do all your workouts mm-hmm. in holodeck the holodeck was cool you also get all the horniness out on the holodeck too and bull in a holodeck can i tell you i rolled my eyes so hard hard when they i forgot about the naval scene and as soon as it happened i was like tng and they're fucking holodeck like fantasies i love a holodeck i just want to throw myself (laughs) into this ocean (laughs) (laughs) though special shout out for wharf in those white pants get it michael (laughs) dorts i don't know why but i love holodeck episodes they're just (laughs) they're fun episodes that don't have to do with data but most of them have to do with data i did love the walking back from the holodeck in a crisis in full costume uh, they show up on the bridge and it's like very important and something important is happening <laughs> yeah. and everybody's trying to be serious it's but the best. in full naval costume that enterprise just has a costume closet like yes <laughs> they have a costume department well i mean that your replicator can make you close so you can be like computer replicate me a 1878 naval uniform please ah. right here are my measurements you already know it and then it's not wasteful too because then you can put it back into the like replicator and it will like break it all down and stuff and reuse it 
That's cool. Replicators fuck. We don't have one. We should have them. They're cool. (laughs) Also, Ansel, as another Star Trek fan, did you notice that Tuvok is 100% on the bridge of the Enterprise in the beginning? Oh, hell yeah. I was like, is that Tuvok? That's Tuvok as a human. I would recognize that handsome ass man anywhere. (laughs) Anyways, Star Trek. Back to talking about the time travel. This movie didn't get like very high ratings. Like people didn't like it that much. And they were like, it's just like three boring episodes smushed together, which is like a lot of Star Trek is just kind of boring, but also cool. Like just get over it. Uh, not everything has to be like first contact where things blow up. First contact is super things cool. Blow up but in like this movie, there's two huge explosions in this movie. Exactly. Thank you. But uh, some people were like, why did the Nexus like just drop them off right like moments before this fucking like rocket went off? Why didn't it like it drop them off in like way in the past where they could just like fucking fuck up Soren or whatever? And so like the lame answer that writers would give, they were like, uh, because Kirk and Picard are really good captains and they didn't want to mess up the time. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the not lame answer is that the Nexus is a petty bitch and was like, you want to leave? (laughs) I'll give you one minute before you got here. Go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll see you in a minute. (laughs) You'll be back. I like the idea of the Nexus being a petty bitch instead. I mean, it is kind of a petty bitch. It's like, oh, look, your fantasy. You just get to chop wood for 80 years. Also, like... His fantasy, the place that he winds up, he walks into this room thinking it's gonna, he literally says, it's gonna be different. It's gonna be better this time. And then, like, you don't actually get to live that out. It doesn't seem like yeah. Picard has a fake family that he recognizes as fake. And so he, like, splits away from that. But Kirk is reliving his real moments that aren't happy. Like, I, it's bizarre that that's what that's what Kirk chose to be in the Nexus. Like, it's just so strange. Uh, Yeah, it's very bizarre. I I couldn't get over that. There are, like, several fanon-type reasons for that. I think... Timeline-wise, this idea of Kirk leaving Starfleet and then coming back, it probably falls between the first movie and the second movie, where, like, the first movie, Kirk is still a captain, but he's, like, handing off the mantle, and Spock has left, and then Spock comes back and is like, hi, here to save the day. Also, like, I literally heard your love call from half a uh, universe away, but, like, it's fine. We don't have... They're not gay. Whatever. Um, LOL. And then he gets... He gets, Kirk gets promoted to like Admiral, whatever, and he's not captain anymore. And so I think the idea is like, oh, he's back on Earth and he has a cabin now and he's trying to live a normal life, even though he's still like teaching at the academy. But then a bunch of shit happens and he's like, LOL, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) I hate it. So sorry, Antonia, who we never hear about before this moment. Um, You can get fucked. I have to go back to space. Everybody and everything I love is in space. Goodbye. Here I have some weird eggs. <laughs> Bones, do you want this clock? Um, I don't know why she didn't bother to come with him. Like, do you want to, Do you want to come hang out on this space yacht? It's always blowing up, but it's real cool. Well, technically in their timeline, they don't have families on their ships. Oh, that's right. In, in TOS, TOS timeline, no they families. don't have families yeah, on their yeah. ships. Also, um, I mean, if we think about Kirk and his relationship, so if we think about, um, like... Dr. Janice Lecter um, from, God, what is the last, what is that? Turnabout Intruder. So we think about like the episode Turnabout Intruder where we meet Kirk's old girlfriend and he literally, the whole plot of that movie is he literally chose being a Starfleet captain over like their relationship. That is a canon thing that he does. Um, So that makes sense character wise. He was like, nah, this is not fun. I'm going back to space. Goodbye. (laughs) 
It's just wild. No. Like, in, like, fandom and, like, fix-it stuff, there's a ton and ton and ton of, like, Generations Fix-It Fix, which I love. Um, And a big theme in those is that either, like, the Nexus is trying to keep Kirk there, but Kirk has a, like, mental soul bond with Spock, and so the Nexus, like, keeps trying to, like, re-fix things, and it's like, no, you're happy on this farm, and Kirk's like... "Mm." something's wrong i don't something's wrong here and so like he can never fully attach to the nexus because he has this like weird magical soul bond also there's one specific generations fix it fic where it's so dumb but it really really works where picard comes back and he's like hey spock who would definitely be alive now because mm-hmm. Vulcans and their time their like long lives and he's like so i found your husband and I did save him, but then he immediately died. Really, really sorry about that. Um, also, in his like weird fantasy, he wasn't thinking of you. He was thinking of this lady named Antonia. So sorry about that. I gotta go. Goodbye. But he but does. Then, like, uh, Kirk does mention Spock, and then like immediately was like, "I'm going with you." I'm as soon as he like, it, it's like that breaks that spell for him. That as soon as he brings up Spock, so I 100%. feel like he could tell him that too. Like, hey, your boyfriend died because uh, I brought him back and he like immediately got crushed by rocks but he was thinking of you and he did come back because of you like i feel like there's possibility for that too oh for sure and that happens in other things too but in this specific one there's like a whole thing where like if spock was gonna be a girl that's the name his mom was gonna name him or whatever and it's like so it's it's shatner's weird or uh kirk's weird mind fixing it or whatever there's also a ton of really good fix it fix where they take because nimoy or um spock goes into the kelvin timeline and then the kelvin boys help him get kirk from the Uh other timeline and it's really really fun um anyways i love generations fix it fix more than i love this movie (laughs) i actually like this movie a lot more than i remembered it because i don't ever watch it because i don't um like watching kirk die it is very upsetting (laughs) for me (laughs) Um, and i have to watch him die twice is really as i can tell from the text Um, message i I got this morning (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but this movie is a lot funner than i remember it and i do like that like the bridge connects both timelines together i think that is really really nice Anyways, I went off on a massive tangent about fan fiction, it's okay. but it does relate yeah. to what we're talking about. It does. And I'm about to go on another tangent. Um, <laughs> if if you entered the Nexus, what do you think you would be doing? It's stuff from your actual life? Because that's what I found confusing. Like, Picard no, was immediately... it's whatever you find... Whatever you, like, is comforting to you. So right before Kirk gets pulled into the Nexus, he is missing the Enterprise, but he is also having this moment of, like... What is, what is my life like? What am I doing? And he sees Demora, like, and he's like, oh, Sulu had a family and stuff too? And, like, what did I prioritize? Because you have this, like, um, this parallel slash juxtaposition of Picard and Kirk actually never really wanted a family. Like, Picard in canon fucking hates yeah, children. That's, like, a big, a big plot point that he hates children. And the fact that there are children on the Enterprise, he could not give <laughs> two shits less. Like, he... He doesn't hate them. He's bad with them. Yeah, yeah, he hates them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, like, these two men, like, prioritize their careers. And that's what gives them, like joy and like happiness or whatever and they've like they've become two of the best captains in like starfleet history or whatever but near the end of their tenure or whatever they're having this moment of like did i prioritize what was right like should i have had a family so like kirk is kind of thinking about that when he gets pulled into the nexus and so i think that's why he gets stuck in this weird like 
if I didn't break up with her and go back to Starfleet, would I have this like fantasy, wonderful life? And then Picard is also thinking about like, what is my lineage? Like my brother died and now I'm supposed to like carry on the Picard name or whatever. Like how will we make wine without more Picards? Um, Picard lives on a vineyard. Fun fact. Um, So I think they're both battling this, like, what is our legacy? But then at the end, they're like, oh, our legacy is that we always save everybody ever, like, all the time. That's fine. That is a pretty good legacy. I don't need to squat out some children. This is good. So I think that's why he gets pulled in there. And also because the Nexus can't control him because he misses Spock so much. So to to (laughs) compensate for that, he hangs out with horses. Look, to be the captain of Enterprise, you have to be a horse girl. That is camp. (laughs) Pike, Picard, and Kirk are all horse girls. I do not remember if Archer is a horse girl, but he does have a nice little floppy dog so you have to like animals at least i feel like archer's probably a horse girl but i don't think they ever talk about it but i he's he's got that energy yeah, he has yeah, horse yeah. Girl vibes enterprise is basically like a western they're like we're gonna go fuck around in space we don't have a prime directive so like even if he doesn't have a horse archer has horse girl vibes you have to be a horse girl to be the captain of the enterprise <laughs> oh, such specific vibe right <laughs> He walks into his bedroom and he's like, oh, this isn't my bedroom. It's better. That <laughs> is big horse girl vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is Antonia a horse? Right? Like, I thought I was going to walk into this room and present this woman with eggs so that, and tell her I'm not going to Starfleet and we're going to remain together forever. But I walked through the door and it's horses and that's better. Like, it, that got me. I was like, you don't give a shit about this woman. You don't have to have hard conversations with horses. <laughs> nope. It takes Kirk all of five minutes after he realizes that it's a fantasy. He was like, no, 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 I deserve this. I can live in a fantasy. And then he's like, mm, but I don't want to live in a fantasy. And I miss my friends. And that woman is a part of my past. Okay, let's leave. <laughs> it takes him like five minutes to get over it. He's like, yeah, that was a shitty plan. He just like walks in a circle on his horse around Picard several times. That should have been one of our <laughs> drinking rules. Take a drink every time Kirk circles Picard on his horse. Because it happens a lot in a very short amount William of time. It's like, it's like while he's also thinking, he's girl. circling. Oh, of course. <laughs> Shatner and Kirk. William Shatner is a lot. <laughs> so that's actually Shatner on that horse because he's like, yeah, yeah. I may be old, but I am a horse girl. I got this. <laughs> also, I just love the idea of that, like, Shatter is, like, chopping this wood because he was like, you know what would be good? I just, like, who knows if that was written in the thing, but in my head, Shatter was like, I want to show off my old man muscles. I'm going to chop this wood. <laughs> I mean, so much of TOS was just Shatner being a beefcake. So, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baby is a beefcake. Baby is a beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> baby is. Oh, for those of you who don't know, I call Captain Kirk Baby. <laughs> All right. Baby. <laughs> I guess I just keep saying baby. So if we were to review this movie, you know, like like is the point yes. of the second mm-hmm. episode. How do you guys feel about it overall? Did you think the plot elements work together? Like what let's let's do like a, a quick fire version of review since we've talked a lot about individual elements. Yeah, you know, Stella brought up an interesting point that critics didn't really gravitate towards this movie. You know, they didn't uh talk about it positively for the most part, I think. Um so when I'm watching this movie, I have to like put my critical hat on, you know, but also as a Star Trek fan uh, of what little I've seen, I enjoyed the movie because like I liked seeing the next step for these characters. I like a good crossover. Um, I like Picard and Kirk together, but I was upset that there wasn't more of that because the trailer makes it look like there's gonna, that's going to be happening a lot. But, like, looking at it from a film critic 
perspective, it's not a very accessible movie if you don't already know what's going on. Like, there's a lot of elements that were just like, oh, that was referenced in uh, something else in Star Trek, or this has been an ongoing thing, or... Like, it, it didn't seem like this was a good standalone story to show someone if they were, like, if they didn't have the knowledge that we had going into it. I agree with that a little bit. But also, like, if you put a gun to a Star Trek fan's head and say, name the best Star Trek movies, what they're going to say is Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home, and First Contact. And all of those need a lot of context and setup and Star Trek lore, but they still function okay as movies. So I, I agree with you on one hand because, like, there's something clearly that Generations didn't do that the other three mm -hmm. do um, to still make them entertaining movies. But also part of the reason I like Generations is because I like that it, like, takes so much from the, like, universe and the two distinct universes and smushes them together. So that it works for me as a Star Trek fan, but I also see how it wouldn't work as somebody who doesn't know stuff coming in, maybe. Yeah, it, it I made the comparison uh, to Warwick saying that it was almost like Civil War uh, for, like, a Marvel fan, mm. where, like, you know, the Marvel fans would have probably seen all of the movies leading up to it, so they get all the 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 mashup that's going on in a similar way that the Star Trek fans would get all the mashups going on here. But, like, as someone who didn't watch the original series, I'm just like, oh, maybe Antonia was a big thing that played into it. Or, you know... Uh, yeah, the uh, Antonia stuff sucks, period. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense and shouldn't be there. Like, it's fine if Kirk wants to fuck off to a cabin in Iowa. Like, that's very, like... The Antonia stuff is stupid. But... And come and really does come out of nowhere. Like if it was like Carol or something, because like Ugh. Carol's like a big part of, of of Wrath of Khan and of Search for Spock in the fact that like his fucking son is in it. So if it had if they had brought something like that back, I think that would have been a lot smarter. But um, also, this was written by Rick Berman, who is an idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I also well, think I, the marketing for this film was yeah. a little bit off, as I recall. So I, I think that might also have negatively affected reviews if if like. Right. Because I remember being a little surprised by it as a as a, even as a kid watching it. Um, and uh, I was at the right age for the toys for this. I had an action figure of Kirk from this movie uh, and he's wearing a spacesuit that came with a helmet that never showed up in the film. So I, I feel like they probably yeah. pulled a lot of stuff together at the end that wasn't uh, necessarily telegraphed appropriately in the beginning. Well, the writing of this script, too, what, like, was a mess. This went through, like, a ton of rewrites. They had fundamentally different stories going on. And, like, Nimoy was actually offered to direct it because he directed several of the other Star Trek movies. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to pass. This script is wild. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Um... Even I think Malcolm McDowell, who ended up being in the movie, was like, this script is trash. I want to be in a Star Trek movie, but this script is not good. Um, and I think that you I think you really see that that they clearly had so many ideas and didn't know what to do with them and kind of mush stuff together. And so, yeah. like, if you're not if you're not into like Star Trek techno babble, it can be a movie that's like, well, what's happening here? Oh, the the ode to techno babble in the beginning was truly beautiful. Ugh. <laughs> some trilithium or whatever oh i i wasn't even thinking that i was the opening scene where they're like can i can i techno babble this and he's like no can i do what about this no what how about oh yeah and Tuesday. scotty's like can i do this and they're like well we don't have the torpedoes yep. <laughs> tuesday tuesday <laughs> let me guess tuesday, tuesday. 
Uh, I was going to say, I... I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, Ben. As somebody who's never seen any TNG before this and has only seen, what, like, less than 20 episodes of the original series, I felt like this was fine. I felt like I jumped into this and as long as I had ever seen science fiction before it felt pretty accessible it was like okay here are these two crews i know culturally that they exist and there is more like material behind this but just jumping in i was like okay i get it picard is very serious he runs his ship in a certain way he has command over the people who work with him and he's willing to be a little rough with them he obviously is having very big emotions in this and then there's kirk who tonally you can tell immediately that they're very different and so Mm -hmm. that felt like i didn't really need more background than that like even kirk while he's spoiler dying for the final time being like uh it was fun it's like okay i get it i need to that's everything i need to know about this character is the way that he accepts death coming like this so i don't know necessarily that it would be that hard to drop into this as someone who did drop into it with very limited knowledge i feel like i thought it was okay maybe but you also too i think in in ben's defense i don't know um but you also have a really strong connection specifically to kirk right because like we are doing a podcast where i where i am force feeding you and being like you love baby right (laughs) (laughs) he's not even Um, my favorite character though bones is my favorite character i know but you do have an emotional attachment to him in like a in an intense way so you're like oh i like seeing scotty and i like seeing and so i think I think I think because even if you don't know all the techno babble and like you don't know anything about TNG, you still have like a, a a significant attachment to the characters that like makes it a movie that you're like yeah, yeah that's true. But also feel- the uh, the Kirk and Picard stuff is the strongest stuff in the movie. I think it's everything else in between that makes it all like like the data storyline didn't really need to be there. Evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, it, as a Star Trek fan who, almost, like, basically only watched Next Generation, like, I liked seeing the Duras sisters, like, pop up and, like... Hell yeah! The- we need to, like, pour one out for the Duras sisters. That was yes. fucking dope. I love that they brought them back. Even And also, they gave them a, a, a death of honor. They died in battle. Mm-hmm. Good for the Duras sisters. Exactly. Are, are we talking about the Klingons? Is that what the, yeah. who yes. those people are? Yeah. I fucking the love all of that. Okay, I, I have yeah. a question. Klingons. I, I, I wrote it down in bold because I was like, I need somebody to answer this who knows who actually knows the answer. Are the Klingons actually a serious threat ever or are they always big dorks? Because in this, they just feel like kind of like the comedy element of this movie where I'm I'm taking them seriously in that I do believe they want to murder everyone on this ship, but it does feel inevitable that of course they're going to die. So how off is that as someone who has no knowledge of the Klingons other than TOS, where they do not look like the Ridgy Boys who are in this? There is a, a <laughs> the very Boys, Return of the Ridgy Boys. There is a very complicated and unnecessary retcon for that. The answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yes. Well, well, that's actually we have an episode in our list called Retconorama where I like talk about the the Klingon Beautiful. ridges. Um, she only to. she has only met the Klingons because she has watched Trouble with Tribbles and they're mm-hmm. in that. Good good episode. Um, Where they just look like Italians in space. Uh, and there's like no other <laughs> differentiating characteristic. It's Tribbles very weird. Them. Tribbles hate yeah, them. Yeah, they hate yep. them. Um, Italians in space. I think the answer to your question 
is yes, um, because they are presented as a a massive threat specifically to TOS and Kirk. Um, Star Trek two through five is dealing with various other elements, but the Klingons are always there in the background and are always like trying to fuck shit up. And then Star Trek six specifically is about how the Klingons are becoming more um, ingrained in the Federation or whatever. And how Kirk specifically is like, I don't fucking trust Klingons. And he has to like deal with his like prejudices and stuff. And um, the b- big bad in undiscovered country is Christopher Plummer as a, oh, a Klingon. Okay. I've seen fo- images of that, but have never seen that movie. Obviously. Right. So, the Klingons are a big threat, especially in TOS. But I say yes, because they do ultimately always mm-hmm. lose. Mm-hmm. Like like Star Trek, you know. But then in TNG, we get more sides of Klingons other than just like, hey, these are, you know, warriors in space. So we get Worf being like a Klingon who was raised on Earth. And then we see his like super hot mate too. And like, so we get to see like their like how Klingons love and some of their like rituals. And then we get introduced to ridiculous characters like the Duras sisters who are like kind of goofballs, but they're also like not really a part of the Klingon empire. Um, And then you get other characters like Chancellor Goron and uh, Martok. And so what you know of the Klingons is just kind of like big baddies, but in the TNG and post era is when you kind of get to learn about them as a society and you get to see different sides of them. And the Dura sisters are kind of a ridiculous, like farcical side. And they're kind of, they're an enemy that shows up throughout TNG a little bit, but they're also ones that are like, we don't like this like new peaceful empire. We're going to go fuck around in space, which, <laughs> yeah, basically. you know, so cool. Okay. So yes, the answer is yes <laughs> to all of that. Cool. Great. Was that a, a That's exactly what I needed to know. Yeah, that seems very fair to me. Yeah. Like they're scary okay. in in the way that uh, a villain that you know is going to lose can be scary is is a great way to put it. Yeah. And like when you go back to Discovery season 1, there are a lot of big problems with what they do with the Klingons, but in that show even though that they lose, they are also presented as like a really scary big threat and Discovery takes place before T or TOS. So you do get to see throughout the canon of Star Trek, you do get to see multiple sides of the Klingons. But sometimes they are just like horny mm-hmm. <laughs> like people, horny women in space who just want to fuck shit up. This better be the beginning <laughs> of a of a mating ritual. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a really good episode that you could watch a standalone episode um where they do like a cultural exchange where Riker goes and spends like a week oh, yeah. or something on a Klingon vessel one. and Riker has like massive big dick energy so he's like definitely the one that should go over there and it's an it's an excellent episode because Riker fucks and so it's an excellent Riker episode but you also get to (laughs) learn a lot more yeah literally fucks um learn a lot more about Klingons and stuff um and you get to Mm -hmm. see those different sides so that is a good standalone episode if you are curious about a Riker fucking and b (laughs) what the Klingons are like fantastic we're at that point where we have to wonder is Star Trek Generations worth our time Aaron, what do you think? I think yes. I really enjoyed watching this. I sometimes when we watch movies for this uh for time to party, I I'll take a lot of notes, which I did for this because I'm used to doing that for uh extracts, like being able to watch Star Trek and take notes. I've gotten pretty good at that and learning like when I need to be paying attention and what's exposition and techno babble sometimes. <laughs> uh I I really liked this. I found it really engaging. And so I 
like like for Palm Springs, which we talked about earlier in the last episode, I found I was just watching it. I was like engrossed because I was interested in these characters I had never seen because I didn't know TNG and these characters that I already knew and loved from TOS. So yeah, I feel like a lot of it has like even the graphics I feel like have held up held up very well for what this was 1997, right? This was 1994. Oh, 1994. So I like, I feel like the um, the graphics held up have held up very well, even though it's already been decades since then. Like I still found the ship separation really cool, and like I thought the explosions looked really good, even for how much time has passed and how much better the technology has gotten for that kind of stuff. And like, it was really dark in lots of places, but I did enjoy the like back and forth emotional roller coaster of it and i thought that shatner was great in this i really enjoyed because shatner's actually a really good yeah, actor shatner was great in this like he, him as old kirk i've never seen that before and i really enjoyed that i love patrick stewart and i know him culturally as picard but i've never seen anything other than first contact which again i we should just count as a wash because i barely remember it all like i I yeah, I dropped into this movie knowing very little about it and really enjoyed it. And I think the time travel mechanism is really interesting. I think it's bizarre. I think that this like weird pocket dimension is strange, but I do like the idea that you can like move forwards and backwards in time. It's fluid. It kind of reminds me of um oh my god, what are they called? The the aliens in Slaughterhouse Five, um, where the the kill no, Kilgore Trout's the one who wrote the novel in that novel. Uh, the aliens in that see time like as a ribbon. It's it's fourth dimensional. You can you know everything that has happened and everything that's going to happen because it all happens simultaneously because time that's how time works and it feels like that's how the time ribbon works. And so you, but as a human or a conscious humanoid like entity, you can like move back and forth within it because you can't exist at all moments inside of it. So I found that really interesting. So yeah, I, all of that to say, yes, I think it is worth your time. I think it's really, if you like Star Trek, I feel like it is probably a harder watch because it's apparently not one of the better Star Trek movies, but if you've never seen a Star Trek movie, I think it's fun. And I think that you would enjoy it. Even if the only thing you need to know is that you need to like Captain Kirk, even a little bit like that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, if you participate in Kirk Drift, you're not going to like this movie. But if you like Captain Kirk, you'll like it. So, I mean, as the uh, Star Trek fan here, Stella, like, how does, <laughs> how uh, worth a Star Trek fan's time is Generations? Okay, so like I said, I didn't, I haven't watched Generations in a really long time. It's not one I go to because I don't like to see Baby die. <laughs> um <laughs> But I and I and honestly going into it, I was like, oh, I gotta watch Generations. And then I was watching it, and I was like, oh wait, this movie is actually like really nice. Like there are some dark shit happening, but like I think everyone acts like in character, which is great because sometimes there are movies where you're like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Everyone acts within character. The stuff between um, Kirk and Picard is great. Also, like. I am a Star Trek V apologist. I think it's an excellent movie. And there's a whole part of Star Trek V where, like, Kirk is like, well, I'm not going to die because I'm going to die alone. And I was always with you guys. And the fact that he, like, dies alone in the beginning is, like, very heart-wrenching to me. But the fact that when he actually dies, he doesn't die alone. He dies with Picard. And it's like this passing of the baton is really, really beautiful and a nice little bow. And Star Trek V is a good movie. I don't care what anyone has to say. Um, <laughs> I do think that if... 
you don't like Star Trek or if you don't have a lot of experience with Star Trek, it probably is a harder movie to watch. There are better gateway movies. But as a Star Trek fan, I think it's fun. It's really great. Um, and I guess if you like Data, you might like it. Um, but if you can tune out the Data stuff, it's it's good. I like Data and I didn't like him in this. Also, fun fact about also why Brett Spiner sucks is Brett Spiner didn't want to do the scene where he finds Spot. And I was like, that's like your only likable moment in this movie and you didn't want to the find best, Spot. How fucking do you? What? Oh, that's a great scene. He was scene. like, should I find like Jordy or something? And I was like, no, Jordy is cleaning the bridge. You're yeah. finding Spot because Spot was like, oh, we're separating. Gotta go to the saucer. <laughs> Spot's a good boy. Yes. Uh, so as I mentioned, even though like the, the film critic part of me is just like, oh, this movie doesn't, you know, like hit the, hit the beats that I think it should, uh, as a general fan of Star Trek and sci-fi and time travel and all that, I thought it was still fun. You know, like I, there was a lot of things I did like, like I mentioned, you know, the Picard and Kirk stuff was the best part of it, but you know, the, the Dora sisters, the... Malcolm McDowell and his, you know, gravitas that he brings to anything, even though, you know, the characters may not be great, but, you know, he makes makes it great. Like, I, I had a lot of fun and I like things about legacy and I like a good crossover, you know, like that moment, even though I'm not uh, I don't have a connection to the original series like uh, you two do. Um, well, you three, all of you. Um, uh seeing sulu's daughter on the bridge was a cool moment Yay, I loved it more. you know like uh there's i, I also love me a holodeck scene episode <laughs> so that shit on the boat was ridiculous and i'm gonna get more into that in the next episode yes as i'm looking through my notes i ended up writing down just like a lot of quotes about time you know this may have just been like a uh, residual side effect of ha it having been my birthday recently and like thinking about like you know my time here and like what i'm doing and i'm just i don't know i'm unemployed right now and i sit around thinking about this crazy shit so like time is a companion that goes with us on the journey i wrote that down too that's a really really good line right and then I wrote the first part where I was like, time is hunting us all down. Well, I also wrote down time is the fire in which we burn. <laughs> mm -hmm. you That's know? good. Malcolm McDowell's like that... lines are almost entirely amazing. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. He was very good. Yeah. So you guys even ever noticed this... that Malcolm McDowell kind of also looks like Benedict Cumberbatch? They yes. have very similar faces. I have they noticed do. that. Also, Malcolm McDowell is um, Julian Bashir's uncle. The actor, oh. not the character. What? Fun fact ah. about Malcolm McNall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. he looks a lot like Benedict Cumberbatch in this space. Also, uh, immediate, just as a quick aside, immediately recognizable as the villain. Having no idea what was going yes. on in this movie, the moment he appeared, I was Hashtag, like, that's the bad guy. Not all Sorens. <laughs> the fact that he was named Soren, I was like, this is the name of the worst <laughs> character in the worst book I've ever read, so I know he's bad. So that was a, <laughs> that was a moment for me as well. I'm sorry, why are you going to say Ben? I, so, <laughs> I mean, like some people just have those faces, like, like Michael Shannon. Like, mm -hmm. I watched Knives Out for the first time last night. And I'm just oh. like, is Michael Shannon ever a baby face? Like, he's always a heel. No. Uh, like, not ever. But he does it so well. Just like Malcolm so Just He's just real good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like how Generations is real good at, like, having fun moments, I think. And that makes it worth going back and revisiting, I think. Um, 
I think it lives up to the title. It lives up to yes. the title, Star Trek Generations. It literally mm-hmm. shows you multiple Absolutely. generations from like the Kirk stuff to Demora and like Alan Ruck stuff and then the Picard stuff. And then honestly, if you think about like, I think that this is a movie that you should watch before you watch Picard because yes. um, Picard, I think, I think, I think it sets up his like his shit that goes on in Picard really, really well. Also, the fact that he's like, my ancestors settled the Martian colonies, I thought was a fun little call out. I like that. Let's go come back. It it does. Yeah, right. I love watching, I love watching old stuff that has like, has ripple effects. Like when Spock and TOS is like, oh, I don't believe in angels. And like, that makes my like, like brain melt because you know uh-huh, discovery uh-huh. stuff. but yeah. anyways i think <laughs> yeah see ansel gets it um but i think that this movie lives up to the title and also like sets up a lot of stuff going forward and the i mean this was filmed in the seventh season of tng which is the final season and when stuff like ds9 and voyager was like picking up and like that is the next generation of you know Star Trek. Um, so I think that the idea that this bridges gaps and then we're also in a timeline where like Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Enterprise and Discovery comes later. I think that that lives up to it. Too. Yeah. So watch Star Trek Generations, party people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's Even what if we're you think at. you didn't like it the first time mm-hmm. you saw it, you should rewatch it. It's it is fun. And also like use our smoking and drinking guide and then you'll get nice and wasted and yes. then you can be like actually this movie rules horses who knew <laughs> who knew that's what we need in our sci-fi more horses <laughs> fuck yeah dude I horses do not like space. horses yeah, I am not a horse girl <laughs> I could never be captain of the Enterprise because I am not a horse girl but it is cool to watch people be good at them I hate horses but I like horses in space <laughs> more horses in space yeah <laughs> That's why Firefly was so good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Well, I think that does it for our review of Star Trek Generations. Thanks for joining us, kids. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. (laughs) You can find us on the internet. Uh, I'm on Instagram at NYDUrgency. On Instagram and Twitter, I am at BSilverio20. I'm on Twitter at Stella underscore Cheeks. I'm on Instagram at TheIndecisionist and on Twitter at Indecisionist. This has been an Indecisionist production. Special thanks to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our theme song and to April Moralba for our podcast art. Uh, and if you want to hear more Star Trek talk and X-Files talk, ladies, why don't you plug the other cool things that you do? Go listen to X-Trex, X-Trex pod. Uh, it's where we talk about Star Trek and X-Files and it's immensely horny and fun. <laughs> You can find it anywhere <laughs> podcasts are found. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at, at Extracts Pod. Um, it's that, great. That should be on the t-shirt for Extracts. <laughs> Immensely horny and fun. The, you know, yeah. <laughs> the brand. <laughs> the brand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can also participate in the conversation with us by using the hashtag time to party. That's time. The number two party. Yeah. So until next time, when we come back with our edutainment episode. Ooh, yeah. You know you want to come back for that. It's the best. We're going to take a nice, lazy, like, lay out in the nice Chicago weather since it's all thawing out now and creating a lazy river. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, join us as we edutain you by talking about Star Trek Generations, kind of. Edutain you in space.
Yeah, in space. <laughs> Until then, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Yay. Silent air guitar in space. <laughs> Stand up. Yeah, Stella. <laughs> See, Stella's getting into it. Reluctantly playing space air guitar. <laughs> okay. It's a loo. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a therapy. <laughs> oh, okay. Therapy.